Hey everyone, it's Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, as always, every Friday, we have New Tay, a nonprofit content strategist and the curator of Feather's Good Marketing Brief, which is a weekly newsletter we drop in your inboxes every single Wednesday. So if you didn't get it this Wednesday and you want to get it, you can click on the link below and subscribe to the Good Marketing Brief and hear all about the goods that New curates for us every single Wednesday. New, second week of the year. How are you doing? Yes. I'm doing great, I think. Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous. I just came off an incredible conversation this week about your, our 2024 planning and how you can use good marketing strategies to tackle mm -hmm. things like email and digital. And so I feel jazzed coming into today's conversation. I just had a wonderful chat this week about key strategies. And I will say, I know we want to jump mm -hmm. into this week's topic, but the biggest theme that came out of my conversations from this week about 2024 is we need to understand the environment we're going into and the context that our supporters, our members are also experiencing. And then shape our communication based on the context our community is experiencing, not our context. Mm -hmm. And a practical example of that is that if your community is going into 2024 and there's already been like spikes in the market and down spikes in the market and like yeah. airplanes falling apart, like weird stuff like this chaos, how do you make sure as an organization you stay <laughs> aware of the context your audience is in and ensuring that your mm -hmm. email communication or your direct mail or even your social posts are, are context aware? of that. And I know that it's super nuanced, but I thought it was so brilliant of like, this year is a year where you need to pay acute attention to what's happening in the world, what's going on, and then making sure your content through all channels is context aware. And I was like, that's yeah. really powerful. And I'm even going to take that into consideration as we continue to plan our own marketing efforts here at Feather. So I feel jazzed coming into this chat with you today. Awesome. I love that. And I think it's as marketers, we get, you know, stuck in this bubble, right? And it sometimes we forget that there's stuff happening all around us. Your supporters are dealing with economic impacts, emotional impacts, family stuff. Um, so just being aware of those conversations, I think is is such a good takeaway. Yeah. And, and I think it takes more work, but I also think that work will produce more relevance. And we talk mm -hmm. a lot here on the Good Marketing Brief and the Good Marketing Podcast and the Good Marketing Framework. Good marketing is anchored in relevancy over reach. And I think this is just one more way that you can remain relevant, improving your results. Even if it takes more effort, Absolutely. the relevancy will pay dividends on that invested time. But enough yeah. about relevance. <laughs> what was the topic of this week's Good Marketing Brief? And what did we dive into? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good segue into the topic because it is very relevant <laughs> to what we focused on in this week's brief, which is, you know, there's a shift in attention in marketing and just like the way people, whether it's young, young supporters, the older generation, people are just consuming information differently because there's information overload right now. And we were really trying to recognize that in this brief and offer some ways to adapt marketing and rethink marketing um, heading or going into the new year. 
Absolutely. So what are some of the maybe bigger trends? You, you mentioned one of them where I just feel like attention, like competition for attention is extreme. And that's more from like the mm -hmm. nonprofits perspective or the association's perspective is like capturing attention. Like there's so many other people. But I think being on the receiving end, I've even noticed this already this year, like my personal inbox is a disaster. Like I just use it as a Google <laughs> inbox or a search result. A search box now i just go in there and search for something i'm looking for i'm not even trying to keep up i've turned off all my social notifications yeah. i have left which is only linkedin and i'm just like i i can't i'm on digital overload and i work in digital marketing and like yeah. am aligned to this <laughs> and so i can only imagine i yeah. think that again that context awareness of it's not just the competition you have for your supporters attention it's that your supporter is digitally overloaded or notification overloaded yeah. and like how do you navigate that were there other macro trends or things that you've observed that we should be paying attention to yeah absolutely i think because of the information overload we're feeling in email of course that's been a thing i know inboxes are just getting spammed with a lot of different types of emails whether it's brands that we can buy from buy goods from and services from or nonprofits we donate to there's just a lot going on it's hard to stay on top of it even for me i have always prided myself on having like a zero inbox <laughs> uh, but over the past year it's it's gone crazy and i have no control over it anymore um I just turned off that so bubble that tells you how many emails you have unread. I just turned that off and that solved all yeah. my problems. So, yeah. You're like, oh, I have no emails. I don't need to check. No. <laughs> um, and then even on social, which has like historically been a place where people can, you know, catch up with each other, network with each other. But now it's been inundated by ads, right? So it gets a little more difficult to have more authentic conversations without knowing that your data is being tracked. Um, so one of the pieces I shared this week is from Digiday, and it really talks about people, especially younger donors, are kind of moving toward group chats to have these conversations. Like they might see a link um, or something cool on social, but they won't engage in conversation through the comments or the likes or anything. They're going to copy that link and then share it in a group in a group chat. And so this article really dives into like, all right, what, how can marketers adapt to this and what can we do? And, you know, we can't really infiltrate <laughs> those group chats, but we can lean in more into community and building our own community group chat and trying to leverage um, those channels to want to engage and connect with the people that we want and earn their trust, um, but also get that data as well. And so as nonprofits, this is our bread and butter. Like we are, nonprofits are built off of engagement and creating connection and unlocking that emotion to, to you know, get them to support our missions. And so, um, yeah, finding ways to build that community around your nonprofit and, you know, hopefully unlocking this channel that more donors are leaning into. Yeah, I think I've talked about this a lot over the course of the years is that we're we're kind of navigating this like we already navigated probably 10, 15 years ago, the shift from the public square to the personalized square where like everything is curated mm -hmm. and it's personalized to me, whether it's in social or my inbox. And I don't have to operate in the public square anymore. Now we're just seeing more retreats from the personalized square into the private square. 
And I think that's where, again, yeah. you, if you don't have access to that, or as you mentioned, infiltrate that, like we can't pay to play typically in those <laughs> environments. Yeah. And so your biggest asset to respond to these trends are twofold. One that you mentioned, which is how do you form and maybe facilitate or host these community spaces or these connection spaces that mm -hmm. are private squares where people with like-minded purposes and passions or aligned professional interests, and that's why they're a member of your organization, whatever the connection point is for your organization, like how do you become the facilitator? Or maybe one of your staff becoming the facilitator of a conversation space in this way. The second Absolutely. one is that you need really loyal supporters that are willing to bring you with them into these private spaces. And so when we are talking about the conflict uh, or a conflict internationally and you, they support an international organization, they now share your content and say, hey, y'all, this group that I'm a part of is sharing up-to-date news on the conflict in ABC or this mm -hmm. environmental issue that I really deeply care about. Like my go-to resource is ABC nonprofit. I'm going to bring them into the private square with me mm -hmm. because that's how much value it's provided to me. And so in the same way, like peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, we're now in this like peer-to-peer -peer yeah. connection kind of space mm -hmm. where you really need your community to be able to be the conduit or the channel at which you connect with like-minded individuals because the channels that we historically yeah. used that maybe were personalized or we had paid access to are becoming more challenging, more competitive, more expensive, and less participation. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this navigation, especially among, I think I would probably say even millennials down, but even others, like I was just talking to someone recently and they were like, the amount of major donor communication that's now via text message or SMS. And again, that's a one-to-one -one community, but like they text more than other people yeah. do. And so we can't just say like, oh, these channels or these changes are just for the younger donors and we'll work on that later. It's also yeah. like pretty cross-generational. And again, this is kind of accelerated mm -hmm. because of the pandemic times and how we all had to go digital. But now this is just the default. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So how should we adapt? I know you shared some, like we just talked about the challenge, <laughs> but you also shared yeah. some examples or some really interesting things on how nonprofits should really adapt their marketing strategies this year. And one of them was interesting to me, I'd never heard of, which was zero click mm -hmm. content. What is zero click content? Yeah. Zero click content. Um, it's pretty straightforward once you hear more about it. I'm seeing it a lot more on LinkedIn, but it is instead of writing a caption and just sharing a link and redirecting someone off, off of your, um, off of the social platform into a website. This is really just giving supporters more information um, so they know more about whether it's your mission, what your campaign is, what your goal is, um, why you need their support. Instead of having them to go find it on your website, making it very accessible, very easy for them, like removes the friction. So all the information is on platform and you can just in your caption, hey, hey, if you want to donate, click this link and it, it takes you um, right to either the donation page, um, the membership sign up page, the monthly giving page, the event page, whatever it is. So it's a more seam seamless process for supporters to 
one, consume information and learn more about the initiatives you're doing and um, just activating their support in the end. Absolutely. And I think the the interesting thing here is it makes, or sorry, the thing that's like a light bulb thing is it makes sense, right? Like I want to go connect with someone and maybe they're on social or they're in their inbox or they're on a YouTube video or whatever it is. And instead of saying, hey, I'm connecting with you, I'm going to, we need to go over there to have this conversation. <laughs> you're like having, you're bringing the conversation into their space. So if that's mm -hmm. on social, if it's in the mm -hmm. inbox, if it's in a video, if it's in a direct mail piece, et cetera, uh, if it's at an event, it's like, yeah. hey, I'm not trying to get you through the gate that trips some wire. The challenge is, yeah. I think, as marketers, we have to accept that attribution becomes more difficult. Yeah. And some of these gates we've that set up, which is like, challenge. hey, new. I really want to chat with you, but you have to walk over there because then I get credit mm -hmm. for it <laughs> right. instead of just having a conversation <laughs> with you. So I think even as marketers, we need to evolve and be okay with a muddied attribution model than what we've maybe mm -hmm. expected in the previous period where we could measure everything and get credit for every micro conversion and all of these things like mm -hmm. zero click mm -hmm. content introduces an attribution problem, not a connection problem. And right. that's why we don't do it as often. And I feel like this was a great opportunity to say, well, if it's best for connection, why wouldn't we do mm -hmm. it? Exactly. Um, and you really got to think about if you do implement it, um, the value, the risk outweighs the value, the, the value out, outweighs the risk. Um, so in the end, you could have a higher conversion. Maybe, you know, your, your revenue goes up, your membership goes up, your event participation goes up. Um, but it could be tricky to kind of attribute where they came from. Um, cause you're losing out on the people who don't convert. So I think that's, yeah. that, that can be the challenge there. Yeah. And I think uh, another link you included was an interview I did with Rob Lee, who was the former CMO at ASAE. And we talked about this in that conversation that we need bold and courageous leaders right now to do what's best for their communities and for their members, for their supporters, for their donors, for the cause even if that, again, requires us to adapt our operating model, or in the previous case, we mentioned our attribution models, because it's the best thing to do. And we need leaders to be able to support that. Because if you're listening to this and you're a frontline email marketer, you're like, clicks and attribution is how I get keep my job like you know and like that's difficult <laughs> because my boss requires me to report on this. And if I was like, we're doing zero click content now. It, it sounds like I'm like throwing up my hands and be like, attribution doesn't matter, you know? So they might not have the ability to have that conversation. Right. But I do think it starts with surfacing the need for the conversation, but then leaders saying, yes, this is the right thing. This is how the world's evolving and we need to be willing to make changes and thus maybe operate with a little bit less information. Or in the prior mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm rely on our supporters carrying our message forward so we might have a little bit less control of the message right all of these are things where we just have to adapt and i think rob had some great guidance on how we navigate some of these changes um, as well absolutely um another one that i shared which is <laughs> we we share his 
his content a lot on the brief. It's, you know, Tobes's newsletter. But he really talks about what kind of piqued my interest in this particular newsletter is his kind of push and encouragement for doing a digital reset in the new year. Um, and one thing that he really mentioned is, you know, we talked last year, we talked a lot about the opportunity and the potential of um, retail media networks. And he really encourages nonprofits this year to really lean into it and learn more about it, be the expert in it versus just relying um, on the agencies. Cause then you can, you know, have a better understanding of your supporters, knowing how they like to engage, seeing if this is a channel that they want to engage with and um, seeing the success that you kind of reap from it. Um, for the, if you're going to take advantage of that channel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know this was, there was a lot in this brief. You also included two things. I'm just going to seed. We're not going to talk about them. So if you want to <laughs> dig into them, you have to go check out the newsletter below, which is lessons nonprofits can learn from brands like Stanley, the viral cup company that's actually a hundred plus years old and also Peloton, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the darling like replacement for all things, gym subscriptions back in 2020, that's now having to reinvent itself to be able to stay relevant by partnering with the likes of TikTok and others. And so I know that there's some lessons hidden in here, but I want to leave it as a cliffhanger. This is yeah. one click content, not zero click content. So I know I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm busting uh, the recommendation we just had on zero click content, but definitely check out the good marketing brief. It's an incredible um, curated resource for you doing good marketing as a nonprofit. And you can get that for free every Wednesday curated by Nute in your inbox. Hopefully it's the most important email you receive every week. That's how, yes. that's one of our goals is that it's the one, it's one of five emails you receive every week that you actually read. Uh, you won't, uh, you won't be remiss it's by the inspiration. It is, it is. It keeps you going, keeps you abreast <laughs> of what's going on. And I'm sure yeah. it helps shape how you approach the week of work ahead. Even if the content of that week isn't directly related to what you're working on. But highly encourage you to check out yeah. the Good Marketing Brief. You can, again, subscribe for free down below in the show notes or the comments. New, I know I wrapped this up differently. But again, for the sake of trying new things, I'm going to try new things yeah. on the Good Marketing Brief compliment. Yeah. I love it. New, it's always a pleasure. We'll be back yeah, here again yeah. next week um, chatting about good marketing and reflecting on next week's brief. Until then. Hopefully Absolutely. you have a great week now. You too. Bye everyone. And so, you know, there's a lot of information out there about Giving Tuesday, how to fundraise, you know, best practices, there's toolkits, even Giving Tuesday has like an entire um, toolkit of templates, social media posts, messaging that you can pull off of their website. And why it's important to nonprofits is that Nonprofits are really reaping the opportunity to engage their donors, their everyday donors. Um, but it is a question of whether you should take part in this day. It depends on what your funding source is. Are you mainly grants? Um, probably not a good idea. But if you feel about individual giving, then it's definitely something that you need to um, at least think about adding to your to your strategy, and so that you can reach. The donors, especially young donors who are wanting to give back to the community, want to take part of this social movement. Um, so, yeah, I think that I don't know what your thoughts are, Noah. You've also been yeah. in this for such a long time. 
Yeah, I love the the initial intent of Giving Tuesday, which was basically to create a day to uplift and showcase generosity. And I think generosity looks different in a lot of different ways, right? And I think now that we look at Giving Tuesday, we've we've kind of it gets a lot of showcase of like, look how much money we've raised, look at how much money opportunity there is. But I think at the true heart of Giving Tuesday, it's just an opportunity to like remind ourselves as a sector that as the founder of Save the Children says, like people aren't ungenerous, but they're just unimaginative and very busy. And Giving Tuesday being a set aside day enables us to activate our communities to be a part of something and almost be mm -hmm. reminded before the end of year season of what's possible when we come together collectively. Um, and so whether that's volunteer days, whether that's donations and giving, which we should celebrate, like that's a a measurement of impact and the, the mm -hmm. change we can make in the community. But for your nonprofit, I know as many have done in the past, it might just be a day where you say thank you. Like you embody generosity to your supporters in your community and kind of connect them together as part of it. So that's my only thing with Giving Tuesday is even though we celebrate the big numbers, billions, raised, donations yeah. given, it's really about this idea of participation and generosity um, as a collective. And I think that is very important for our sector, yeah. especially given that, as you mentioned, giving has gone up, but participation has actually decreased. And so a day like Giving Tuesday is an opportunity for us to recapture participation from more people yeah. that maybe aren't giving. You know, you mentioned everyday givers, but what about the occasional givers that maybe are disengaged? Giving Tuesday is a great opportunity to re-engage them in the campaign. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that this is a critical year for nonprofits because giving in their fewer, look at the fundraising effective project, there are fewer donors. Giving has declined the last year. And so, like you said, being able to engage your community of donors to reactivate their support, especially if, you know, they haven't really engaged with you throughout the entire year is super important. Absolutely. And I know you curated a bunch of resources, but one of the resources that stood out to me, which I'm super excited about, and unfortunately I'll be on vacation, so I won't be able to participate in this, is that <laughs> Feather is partnering with Community Boost and Classy to curate a conversation between Aaron Ford and Chandler McFarlane, who are on our team here at Feather, and Michelle Boggs, who's a nonprofit advisor at Classy, and Janae Perry, who's the director of new partnerships at Community Boost, to really have like a genuine, honest conversation on October 11th at mm -hmm. 2 p.m. Eastern time about what's working on Giving Tuesday. So like the strategies that are working really well. But I think most importantly, like, when have Giving Tuesday campaigns gone amok and wrong? And what can we actually <laughs> learn from that? Yeah. And then lastly, they're going to be discussing 2023 specifically, right? Like we can talk Giving Tuesday broadly, but they're going to zoom into this year when, you know, we had a pending government shutdown that didn't go away. We have strikes in many industries. We have this fear of inflation and this like complication of like, how is the removal of uh, student uh, loan uh, forgiveness going away and childcare uh, acts changing. Like, there's just a lot of movement in the economy mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. that are creating uneasiness. And so they're going to address like, how as an organization should you be thinking about not only Giving Tuesday but Giving Tuesday in 2023? So yeah. it's going to be a great conversation. You highlight it in the Good Marketing Brief, mm -hmm. and if you're interested in registering for that, you can either click the link in the show notes. Um, or in the comments, uh, we'll include a link for that. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about that conversation because I think it's a value to have a little bit transparency that like sometimes campaigns don't go the way they're supposed to go or the way you think they're going to go. So just pulling that information from some thought leaders on lesson learned, I think is going to be um, good for participating nonprofits to kind of learn from as they are kind of building their strategies out for, for end of year. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of conversations, though, in the Good Marketing Brief, you included links to um, a few interviews with some experts in the industry as they were talking about Giving Tuesday. And then specifically in the studio, we had Jennifer uh, Newberry. She was yeah. talking about integration, integrated campaigns. What were some of the guidance that Woodrow shared about in, her, in his interview with um, Dana Snyder about Giving Tuesday? Yeah, no, I love that conversation. I thought it was very thought-provoking and eye-opening. Um, there's an opportunity, obviously, to engage one-time donors at the at the end of the year on Giving Tuesday, and I think that's where nonprofits see a lot of their uh, revenue come from, one-time donors. But there's also an opportunity to, instead of engaging these people once a year during the end of year why not open that door and try to find ways to retain their support year over year, you know, deepen that engagement, build that relationship so that they're not only giving, maybe they're spreading brand awareness, telling their friends, telling their family, telling their networks uh, more about why your mission and your cause is important to them. Maybe they'll take it beyond that and volunteer for an up upcoming event or even start their own fundraiser um, for end of year and raise money on that. And then the the last piece is recurring giving. Like if you have a recurring giving program, how are you kind of showcasing that during year end? Is it kind of getting lost in all of all of the messaging that you're sending? And I think re-highlighting that and bringing that into the fold, I think is really important. And um, it's something that Woodrow really talked about, Woodrow and Dana. And another thing that um, kind of, made me smile and I'm glad he brought it up is that there's always been this focus of major donors, right? I get it. They give really large gifts, but the time it takes to kind of steward a major donor from being just a prospect, you know, winding and dining them, building out that relationship and getting that gift, it could be years. And I think in the midst of that, because the prioritization is so intense for major donors, the the smaller donors, the everyday donors, the occasional donors kind of get lost in the mix. Um, so I think re-emphasizing that focus and, you know, it doesn't have to be time on your team's part taken away from the major donors. It's really just finding the the tech tools to be to partner with, right? So that you can automate some of the the communications at scale. So you're continuing to build that relationship. You're continuing to show gratitude. You're telling them about the things that your your organization is doing. You are telling them all the great things that they are enabling you to, you to do with their ongoing support. And you can, you know, automate that. So it's like a two-way conversation. So you're giving them opportunities to give um, their feedback on some of the initiatives some of the initiatives you're doing so that you're making sure the uh, campaigns that you're pushing out actually resonate. Yeah. And for those that didn't, that don't know Woodrow, Woodrow Rosenbaum is the chief data officer at Giving Tuesday. And so his insights are actually fueled through the collection effort of Giving Tuesday and how they really look across the sector. So definitely look up Woodrow Rosenbaum in the Good Marketing Brief this week. The other conversation we mentioned was Jennifer Newberry, 
and she is the VP of digital fundraising um, at PBS. Uh, sorry, she's the digital fundraising director at PBS. And the thing that I thought was interesting in this conversation, and if you're listening to this on the pod, you can actually go listen to Jennifer and I's conversation right now, um, is that she talked about the the importance of integration, of integrated campaigns. And I think this is really important on Giving Tuesday because we on occasion look at Giving Tuesday as just a digital campaign or a social campaign, but there's really an opportunity to do integration across three levers that Jennifer talked about, one being organizational integration. Like how as an organization are you all talking about Giving Tuesday? Is it just another reason to ask donors to give or does it go beyond that? Can you get to the core of, this is about celebrating generosity and how do we make this an organizational opportunity for us to engage both maybe by thanking our staff and thanking each other for working so hard, but also thanking our donors and then giving them an opportunity to connect and be a part of the impact we're having. That was the first integration step, which was organizational. The second one Jennifer talked about was community integration, which is how do we think less about, I want to convince my audience to give a gift and more about how can I um, invite my my community in to be a part of our initiative. It's about what John and Becky at We Are For Good talked about mm -hmm. in the podcast. You're trying to build that like movement and connectivity. And so how do you think about Giving Tuesday from that perspective? Yeah. Uh, the third was campaign integration. And I think this is the one we talk very frequently about. We still haven't got it right though. And I fail even as a marketer <laughs> doing this, which is how do we not think about this in a siloed way? It's not like, oh, we're going to send an email and we're going to see how that does. We're going to do some social posts. We're going to see how that does. We're going to do, you know, maybe a direct mail piece two weeks ahead of time that's going to remind people about Giving Tuesday or the opportunity to give. Whatever channels you're using, how do you ensure that there's an integrated message across that? Especially in complicated environments, and Jennifer knows this very well. She works at PBS. You know, there's huge teams. But even on small teams, a lot of this is siloed out. And so her push was, how do we ensure that we're talking across channels or silos that might be present in our organizations that the donor doesn't care about. The donor is experiencing the campaign in unison. It's, a, it's an orchestration or a concert. How do you conduct that? Um, and that's super important, especially during Giving Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we're almost at time and kind of wrapping up, but there was some incredible things that you linked to as well as people are preparing for Giving Tuesday, but also end of year. And so in the brief, you shared an end of year toolkit. What is that? And why would someone want to engage with that? Yeah, uh, I love this toolkit. It has such a robust resource selection of what you're trying to look for in terms of digital marketing inspiration, right? There are blog posts, there's podcasts, there's videos of sharing marketing knowledge to help nonprofits really engage their donors during Giving Tuesday and year end from Giving Tuesday through year. And, you know, I think when you think about Giving Tuesday and like end of year, December 31st, it's often separated out. And so we want to think about Giving Tuesday as like the kickoff to year end, right? That's when you start your campaign. And how do you take that day and keep donors engaged through the entire year until the end of the year? And I think this toolkit does an amazing job of providing the resources to kind of get nonprofits there. Um, and so there's a lot of swipe files that you can download. So you can kind of, if there's a campaign that resonates with you, you like what they're doing, or, you know, maybe it's like a similar like-minded nonprofit, pull it, put it into a lookbook as like um, 
what are those called? Oh my gosh, I'm a millennial. I should know those like mood boards, Scrapbooks. right? Oh, mood boards. Those oh mood yeah, boards. mood boards. <laughs> I was a big uh, mood board girl when I was growing up. So creating something like that for year end, I think is something that you can really pull from the toolkit. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the swipe file. And if those are those listening have never heard of a swipe file, it's basically just like a folder of inspiration, like a mood board <laughs> or like what we used to use, like Pinterest and stuff for, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe still people use Pinterest. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> this is their strategy. Oh, interesting. To get Maybe more people re-engaged, yeah. Future topic for a good marketing exactly. brief. How do you pivot your strategies to drive engagement? Hmm, yeah. Interesting. I like it. But this toolkit really has a swipe file, which is example ads that were running for other organizations that you can be inspired by. Like that's really cool. And it's all in a centralized place. And I think the, the thing that stood out to me the most was we had two of our campaign strategists here at Feather actually talk about what they've learned by from helping over probably a hundred organizations run Giving Tuesday and end of year campaigns. So if you're curious about that, it's feather.co slash year dash n dash toolkit. If you're listening to this on the pod, it'll be in the show notes, LinkedIn, YouTube, it's in the comments. Uh, it's an incredible toolkit. I won't tell you anymore because you should go download <laughs> it right now. That's really our show. Um, and I know that this is going to be a weekly thing that we're going to be dropping. This is a first iteration. So if you are interested in the Good Marketing Brief as a complement to the Good Marketing Unplugged podcast or this video, you can go to feather.co slash brief feather.co slash brief and you can sign up and it's delivered to your inbox every wednesday morning and new we're gonna do it all yes. again next week next week any, i can't wait are you gonna give any previews on maybe what we should expect from the brief not next week but maybe in future weeks like what where yeah. are we headed yeah 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 i mean i think it's important to recognize the time of year so we're gonna get a lot of year end tidbits um we're really gonna hone in some key marketing strategies and each newsletter will have its own theme on a certain marketing strategy and we're gonna you know really dive into it um omnichannel is gonna be a, a big overarching theme so i think that like yeah. you said talking about the integratedness we're going to really highlight that and how nonprofits can really pull that off. I know it's easier said than done, but, you know, with the right thinking, the right attitude and the right tools, we can we can definitely get there. Absolutely. And in previous briefs, we've mentioned Taylor Swift and pumpkin spice lattes, which are two of my favorite things. So <laughs> this too. isn't just for marketing inspiration. No, I'm glad. New, you're a you're a, you're a Swifty. Yes, I, I am a newfound Swifty, I have to say, because I wasn't a huge fan, but then we had my son. And no, I can't tell you how much the seven-month-old loves Cornelia Street. We play it like four times a day. So newfound That's Swifty. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I think there are a lot of newfound Swifties after the Eras tour and all the HUD. And after uh, like the NFL, really the Travis Kelsey? I know. Yeah, it's... it. Okay, we're not here to talk about Swift. <laughs> um, we are here to give you insights and best practices on how to do good marketing. And that's what you can expect here on Good Marketing Unplugged, on our LinkedIn and YouTube channels, but also in the brief curated by New. New, it's great to partner with you. And I look forward to next Friday when we're in the studio again together. I can't wait, Noah. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.